US CPI was higher than expected and it was broad-based. Even though there's been a fall in energy prices, just about everything else was up month on month. So it is not slowing, hence big rises in bond yields, sharp falls in equities and the US dollar gaining strength again. In short, it was the worst possible news and we've got producer prices today, which maybe will rub salt into the wound. But just how will the Fed respond to all of this? And not great news coming from the UK either, where wages are rising and unemployment is falling. A headache for the Bank of England. And what about Australian inflation? We'll look at that as well. It's a busy day today. It's Wednesday, the 14th of September, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. equities have responded sharply to the latest U.S. inflation data. The Nasdaq is down 5.2% at close, a 4.3% fall in the S&P 500, uh, back well below 4,000 now, and 3.9% off the Dow. In Europe, the Eurostox 50 uh, is, it all seems mild by comparison, down just 1.6%. The FTSE 100 down 1.2%. All sectors, basically, in the U.S. and Europe are basically down, energy included. Apple down more than 5% this morning, going against the grain. Twitter is up 0.8% because shareholders have agreed to accept Elon Musk's $44 billion offer. So over to you, Elon. Shame he doesn't want to buy it now, isn't it, really? Big moves in bond yields. Ten-year Treasury is up six basis points to 3.42%. Two years up 12 basis points to 3.75%. They were down a little, but then they rose 20 basis points as those CPI numbers came out. Yields also well up on European bonds. German 10-year bonds are up eight basis points. Uh, UK 10-year gilts up nine. Aussie 10-year yields were down six basis points yesterday, down to 3.57%, but up to 3.7% on futures overnight. And the US dollar back on the rise, up 1.4% on the DXY, up 1.2% against the yen. The casualty of that move, the Aussie dollar down 2.3% this morning, falling to 67.3 US cents. The euro is down 1.5%, the pound down 1.6%. Oil prices, well, not much focus on that today, but they are heading down 0.3% off WTI. Brent down 0.7% to below 93.40 a barrel. Uh, but European gas prices up, a 6% rise in Dutch gas futures back up over €202 Euro this morning. So a massive reaction to those CPI numbers. Let's get stuck into that right away with NAB's Ray Atrial in Sydney. So quite a rise in the core inflation rate. It was 5.9% year on year in July. It was expected to rise a little, uh, but at 6.3% year on year, it's uh, more than expectations. Uh, But the headline rate, which is down a little year on year, is still higher than expected. So out of those two, the headline or the core, what is it that's spooking the markets the most this morning? Oh, morning, Phil. Um, Undoubtedly, the uh, the core numbers. So uh, if ever markets have shifted into complete data dependency mode, as have central banks, then um, this has really you know, shattered the illusion. And that's exactly what it's been exposed of, that uh, yeah. you know, inflation had peaked and was coming down. So that core measure up to 6.3% year on year from uh, 5.9. It had been expected to, uh, to creep up a little bit because of base effects from a year ago. And the headline number as you say, um, uh, 8.3, so it is down from 8.5, and that's driven by the falling gas prices, shows up in things like airline fares of 4.6%, mm. for example. But I think what, um, you know, the reason that nobody could find any redeeming features in this, and indeed, if you look at um, some of the numbers that Tabas was talking about yesterday, sort of like the Cleveland Fed's trimmed mean and the Atlanta Fed sticky CPI numbers, you'll see that they've both increased on the month and are now running at 7.7%. Um, um, and then within the CPI numbers, um, 
it's services inflation that's really running rampant. And yeah. We've long talked yeah. about this sort of transition. Maybe goods inflation uh, may shift to outright deflation. But um, but look at you know vehicle repairs up three and a half percent. Uh, dental charges plus one point seven percent. Now there's an excuse not to go to the dentist next week, isn't there? And hospital services up 07 percent. Tobacco up plus point one five percent. But you know it's really sort of services inflation that is really a function of wages growth more than anything else. Yeah. Um, that is driving the increase, and that's going to be the real worry. Um, hence, markets have uh, decided that uh, next week's Fed decision is not between 50 and 75. It's now between 75, 75 and, 100. and 100. Yeah, absolutely. And the terminal rate probably going to be higher as well. So some are saying now 4.75% for the terminal rate early next year. Is that possible, do you think? It's looking more and more likely. Well, it's possible. But, uh, you know, I have said that uh, I'm a bit of a a bit of a fan of James Bullard from the St. Louis Fed, who I think has been a bit of a canary in the coal mine when it comes to sort of leading his Fed of FOMC members by the nose. Um, and he's been long advocating getting the funds rate up to sort of three and a half to four percent before the end of the year. He's not in the, you know, well above four percent, but he certainly went into the restrictive camp. Mm. And, um, we might change his mind know, now. It's, it's a, it's a, It'd be tough to bet against him, I would suggest, right. just at the moment. So, uh, I mean, the, the other concerning thing is, I mean, we were, you know, I was talking about year-on-year -year figures, but, you know, if you look at the month-on-month -month figures, I mean, it is not slowing down, is it? Even though energy prices are down month-on-month, 6.2%, you know, food prices are up 0.8%, and, you know, everything else, you know, that's not food and energy is half percent up on the month. So apart from energy going down, nothing else is slowing down. So, I mean, there's, there's you know, the, you, you can't look at this any other way than saying inflation is still front and centre in the United States. Absolutely. So um, I'm not sure I can add anything to that. Yeah. Exactly that. And then if I, um, you know, if I switch continents and look at, uh, we can talk about UK CPI later, but the unemployment numbers from the UK yesterday, yeah. for me, the standout figure there is that um, average weekly earnings um, they use a three-month year-on-year uh, X bonuses as the best sort of underlying measure, up to 5.2% from 4.7%. Mm. So if it really is sort of services and wages that are, uh, are really going to be the bugbear to getting underlying inflation down, then um, yeah. obviously there's, you know, whatever may happen with headline inflation, if because of the magic wands that um, the UK government is going to wave over energy prices, um, the, the core inflation readings there are not going to provide any comfort to no. the England. No, it's, when it meets, um, it's a, a one-week delayed meeting, isn't it, uh, till uh, later next, next week? Next week, exactly. So the other uh, element of that was the uh, unemployment rate as well. It's down from 3.8% to 3.6%. To so, so that's a double bad news, isn't it? Wages going up, unemployment rate going <laughs> down. That is exactly not what the Bank of England wants. No, absolutely. Just going back to the US, it also just highlights that um, it's not just – we're not just going to be lurching from one CPI release to another as far as markets, um, but but also the intervening um, monthly labour market numbers and particularly what's happening with uh, with average earnings. So so heading into the uh, the early October number, a couple of weeks away from that, but um, there's going to be almost as much focus, I think, on those right. as there has been in last night's CPI. So the markets are not going to get much chance to recover, are they? Because, of, uh, yes, we get those UK CPI numbers, which, uh, you know, throws more uncertainty into it all. Uh, but we also get the PPI numbers, the producer prices in, in, in the United States, which, I mean, if they're bad, then that's going to be a sign that, uh, you know, what's to come down the track on CPI, isn't it? No, absolutely. Although there is expected to be some relief. I'm just looking at market consensus. I think for the... Uh, the headline number it is seen down from what nine point nine to eight point eight, and uh, and the core numbers there down from 
7.6 to 7.1. But, um, you know, with the monthly run rate coming off a little bit, but I don't think mm. that'll be a very, very small comfort of anything, you know, relative to the shock of those CPI numbers. Yeah. Incidentally, the uh, the Small Business Optimism Index, the NFIB uh, survey, improved in August <laughs> from 89. Well, yeah. I think they're going to have to go and ask them that, that, that question again, aren't they? Just to get a different, see if they get a different answer now. But, uh, well, let's see. But the other thing that, that struck me there was that we had the NFIB survey, which is small, say, small businesses um, up. The ZEW survey in uh, in Germany down. Yes. So, yeah. you know, and yeah. we've been you know, highlighting the likes of sort of divergence in purchasing managers survey is still showing US economy still running in pretty rude health. Um, whereas, you know, PMIs are, are languishing, you know, mostly below 50. Um, and that ZEW survey, which is as I've said, is admittedly it's just a, a bunch of financial analysts and what do we know? But uh, it does sort of highlight at the moment the contrast is still between uh, an outperforming US and that still has strong read-throughs to markets, which uh, obviously is uh, reversing a lot of the uh, the CPI has obviously gone some way to reversing pretty much all of the moves we've seen in stocks, bonds and currencies since the mm. middle of last week. Yeah, well, the uh, the German uh, ZDW uh, survey came from minus fifty five point three to minus sixty one point nine. So that is a big move down, isn't it? So uh, yeah, it's I'm, I'm trying to figure out lately. You know, when is bad news bad news, and when is bad news good news, and when is good news bad news? So uh, what is it with the uh, with the NAB business survey yesterday? Uh, um, because we've got business confidence and business conditions improving. So can that happen? Can the economy recover without inflation kicking up? Is this a case that it's too good in Australia? Well, I think it's more a case of, uh, you know, can we get inflation down without the mm. economy being kicked into a recession? And, uh, you know, that's really a story very much for next year. But um, in terms of is it good news or bad news? I mean, the real uh, highlight reading, you know, Tappas and others um, write up of the NAB business survey. Uh, what really stood out was the, um, the inflation related readings and the literal read through. Um, of some of those prices-related numbers is that uh, CPI in Australia in Q3 could be as high as 2% on the quarter. It was, what, 1.5 or 1.6% in Q2, which would push headline inflation, you know, up uh, above 6%. Now, you know, the RBA has already made clear that it thinks that uh, inflation is going to at least have a 7 on it, um, you know, before the end of the year. But uh, these numbers would potentially... Um, you know, see that those expectations for where peak inflation is uh, ratcheting a little bit higher. So in this case, I would certainly say that, um, you know, strong numbers are, are bad news in that sense, as far as what it could mean for the RBA. And, you know, it, it's at the moment, it's fair to say, I think it is presenting a little bit of a challenge to our um, uh, central view, which is that the RBA is going to step down the pace of uh, uh, cash rate moves as early as next month and reduce to 25 basis points. That um, you know, That's still the view at the moment, but um, you know, those inflation readings there do, uh, do present something of a challenge to that. Yeah, and in New Zealand, we uh, had food prices yesterday up 8.3% year on year in August, the most in 13 years. Uh, now, of course, the, you know, the RBNZ has been front-loading uh, rate rises. There we get their current account figures as well today for, for Q2. So how important are they going to be, given the, you know, the, the state of the New Zealand economy right now? Well, it's, it's amazing, really. So the current account, I mean, probably the way to think about it is, is as a share of GDP is likely to blow out to minus 7.5%, according to uh, 
consensus expectations, and it was 6.5% in Q1. That would actually be the worst result since the GFC and pretty close to the record uh, current account deficits as a share of GDP that we saw um, in the lead up to the GFC, just shy of 8%. And why that's impressively bad, not good, is that you know, you've got an economy in recession. And typically when you're in recession, you think that uh, you know the import side of the equation gets crunched and your current account can actually um, you know, perversely improve. But uh, I guess the other thing to say is compare and contrast that with Australia which is now running sort of consistent current account surpluses of, you know, two, two to three and a half percent of GDP. So, you know, the relative current account positions, um, you know, doesn't always impact currencies, but it goes some way, I think, to explaining the relative outperformance of the Australian dollar against the New Zealand dollar in, uh, in the last year or so. Well, I mean, it seems like everyone is heading in the same direction at different speeds, doesn't it? But it is curious. I was looking at the OECD release for the, their GDP and the G20. Uh, they said fell 0.4% in Q2, quarter on quarter. But a lot of that was a 2.6% fall in China compared to just a 0.1% fall in the US and the UK. But the countries suffering the most out of the, uh, the uh, out of the G20 are those in sort of Eastern Europe, Poland, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. And you don't have to guess why that is. Uh, but then next in line is New Zealand, the US and the UK. Just about everyone else is still seeing growth. So we've got that growth in Australia at 0.9 percent uh, and the Dutch up 2.6 percent. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, this, I was just glancing down the, down the table, and as you say, China minus 2.6, India minus 1.4% with the two standouts. I thought that amongst the developed countries, the UK was the only one that went absolute negative in, uh, in Q2 at minus 0.1, but you can correct me on, on that. I, haven't well, I think the US the is in there next. as well, isn't it? But anyway, whichever. I mean, the, 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 the Which difference we know is- from the GDP numbers that uh, you know, we did yeah. have that technical, technical recession that nobody believes, given the strength of the labour market that... Uh, as well, but it, it really is, there's a little bit of a contrast there, and I think you know it, these are Q2 numbers, so they're you know a, a little bit dated at least. But um, but what um, does not, that not what does that mean for the moves that we're seeing today? How many, in particular, you know what we've seen in the in in the US dollar? I mean, the share market obviously might bounce back a little bit as it as it as it always does, but I mean it's it, these are uncertain times, obviously for equity investors. But the strength in the US dollar, which is uh, which you know is it's reaching levels. I think uh, you know it, it. I think it was it was high, wasn't it, uh, a, a week or so back? But before that, you've got to go back what twenty years before you see the DXY index as high as it is. I mean, it's close. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and so, um, you know, and, and we how, talk how about how much it higher in, will it get? Like it got it got up to 100. So we're around 110 now. 1985, yeah. it got up to 160. Are we are we going to get back up up to those sorts of levels? And what's it going to do for the Aussie dollar? Well, you have to look at it in the way that we look at it in terms of its deviation from what we call fundamental fair value, and if we measure it in terms of you know an old concept, some uh, listeners may be familiar with purchasing power parity. The dollar yeah, is close TPP. to being as overvalued as it has been in its sort of post Bretton Woods history. Um, so, you know, the dollar is screaming overvaluation, but in order to, to see that overvaluation correct, you're going to need some sort of a, a catalyst for a cyclical downturn in the US dollar. And, uh, and obviously, these latest developments have challenged that. So why is the dollar strong? The dollar is strong either because 
US interest rates are going higher, um, yeah. almost regardless of what's happening elsewhere, or because risk sentiment is negative and uh, investors do so, flee into the sanctity yeah. of the global reserve currency. And or bit of, both, a, or C, so, b- both of the above, presumably. A bit <laughs> so of each. stocks down 5%, um, yeah. 10 year, um, two year US Treasury yields up, what, 18 basis points last I looked. Um, mm. You know, that is a very, very potent combination for reversing. Yeah. I think we've reversed, yeah. to use a technical balance, 61.8% of the decline from the middle of last week, a big Fibonacci number for the mathematicians amongst us. And uh, we've actually punched straight through that in one day. And you look at the charts now, uh, people mm. will be talking about what's known as an outside range day, where the highs and the lows were uh, exceeded the previous days and we closed above the, the previous day's highs. So uh, mm. there's a technical analysis lesson for those that want one, but it's, uh, oh, it's a very positive signal morning. for the US dollar. Well, look, I've got another big data day today. So stand by your beds because who knows what's going to happen. But anyway, we'll be ready for it. Good to talk, Ray. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Phil. Well, there is a one-day attitude shift if ever there was one. That's it for the morning call. We'll see how it all pans out today. Of course, I'm back tomorrow morning to talk about it. Uh, I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening. 